Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this week's podcast, I thought I would share with you a bit of training that I delivered for a group of newly qualified GPs and nurses on quality improvement. And there was a section that we covered to change and anticipating barriers to adoption, which I thought would be helpful for you guys because it's pretty universal. And before I jump in, I suppose just to give it a bit of context to ensure we're all on the same page, for those of you involved in the field of health trying to roll out change at scale across multiple practices or a large department that involves patients, that involves technology, that it involves different ways of working, on occasions can be challenging for a variety of reasons. So when we are developing our change project, or it's not even a project, it's like, this is going to happen. How can we make it as easy? How can we make it exciting? How can we make people want to be involved? And how can we make it as painless as possible, if that is possible? So there are some principles that I use on a regular basis and I often don't even know that I'm using them. It is just something that we do. And just to remind you guys, for my day-to-day bread and butter day job, I am working and supporting primary care networks and working with GPs, nurses, practice managers, GP federations, commissioners to essentially facilitate different ways of working and the operational delivery of services over multiple general practices. So the first objection, the first barrier that always comes up is the perceived lack of time. So people feel like they don't have time to get their head around doing something new. And no word of a lie, I was speaking to a practice manager today and she said to me, if I have to read another standard operating procedure, I'm going to lose the will to live. Next, I'll need an SOP (laughs) to go to the toilet. So If you're trying to get people to change and you're like, this is the way you do it. So in this instance, it was like someone had emailed her. This is the latest standard operating procedure. Read it. And she wasn't very happy with that because of the perceived lack of time. Another change. I can't keep up. And that's all valid. Um, Her concerns, her frustrations are, are all completely valid. So 
it's about how can we anticipate that? How can we mitigate? How can we try to reduce the level of objections when we're trying to get people to do something differently and they feel like they don't have the time? And it's like, what can we do? So I'm asking you to reflect, what can you do? For me, it's around just making it so, so simple, breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. In the case of the standard operating procedure, and it depends where you work, but in my line of business where I'm only supporting, and when I say only, it's eight general practices, if I feel like it would be beneficial to pick up the phone, I would pick up the phone. If there are loads of WhatsApp groups for my clinical directors, for the practice managers, for the whole of the network, I would send like, just sending you a heads up, sorry, it's another change, but this is the change. This is why we are implementing the change. And I would make sure I would break down that SOP, make sure it's really, really easy to read, make sure people can call me if they are not sure, and I'll pick my moment wisely. So I know that one of my current contracts, I'm not going to send my practices if I don't have to lengthy things on a Monday or a Friday or at the end of the day and ask them to act on it ASAP. So there is something around picking your timing. There's something around choosing your timing wisely. There's something around really reflecting on your communication channels and Can you soften the blow around some of your communication if you do have to send an email or how can you make it look a little bit different? Try to look at your communications with fresh eyes, get somebody else to check it to make sure the tone is right and what you're asking for is easy to understand with a clear call to action. And this is around, so when somebody looks at something, if they feel that they don't have enough time, they can just quickly look at it understand what needs to happen or why it needs to happen, that will make it easier. Also, there is something around, depending what position you are in, what can you do to minimize the time commitment? And having a standard operating procedure is one of those. It's rather than do something, you know, 10, 50 times, why just just do it once? So what systems and processes can you adopt to make it easier for other people to apply? And in this training that I delivered, it wasn't for me to give the answers. It's, this is the checklist for you to use, for you to think about, okay, people keep telling me I don't have enough time. So I'm going to reflect on what has worked in the past. And I'm going to use those principles to roll out my next initiative. So another objection you may experience, although people won't say this, is fear and anxiety. It is a new change. They are holding on to old ways of working because they may be fearful around their position, their status in the hierarchy, what this change is going to mean for them personally. So they're worried about themselves. They may be worried about patients. They may fear that patients won't understand if we're trying to get patients to a different member of the practice team how can we educate patients? How can we reduce that fear? What sorts of things can we put in place so people feel more comfortable with the change? What, again, can we break it up into bite-sized chunks to make people feel more comfortable? What can you do to handhold people through some of the processes or some of the change? They're looking for you as the change agent, the leader, the instigator to help them. They're not looking, you know, like don't just tell them this is what's happening. And then, you know, like wonder why people aren't, 
you know, given you a pat on the back. So what can you do to help minimize people's fear and anxiety around a change? Another barrier is around the lack of understanding. And I think I've spoken about this before. Sometimes when we're developing our idea, we are sitting and working with that idea for weeks on end. And then we present it and we wonder why other people don't get it straight away. And that may be because we're too close to it. We haven't sense checked it and other people don't understand. We are talking a different language to our audience sometimes. So people will resist and reject your change if they feel like they don't understand it. And I'm seeing this happen quite a lot. For those of you in primary care, the additional role reimbursement scheme where new roles are being introduced and the network is kind of rejecting the role because they don't understand its role or remit or how the role is going to help them. They don't understand, so they are going to reject it. So I'm going to keep repeating myself. So it's about what can we do to make it simple? There is an acronym called KISS, Keep It Simple Stupid. Is that right? (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is right. So some of the tools that we use are frequently asked questions. We may use infographics. We may use a video. So sometimes it's easier for me to just speak it versus write it initially. Another barrier which is often encountered is the perceived importance of the change. So if people feel like it's not important to them, why should they care? Could you go away and stop talking about it? So we have to think, how can we make this change seem important? What data can we provide? What benefits is this change going to bring? How are you going to support this change to make it happen? How can you position the idea? What pain point is this change going to be helping them with. So they have to, if they feel like it's not going to touch them, it's for that team down the corridor, they might have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. So why do I need to change? It's really about making them see the impact of the change in whatever way is going to be important to them. So before you get to your change idea, you need to be speaking to people. You really need to be taking the time to listen to what we call their claims, concerns and issues. The claim is a positive assertion. The concern is a negative assertion and the issue or it should be claims, concerns and questions. The the issue or the question is, but what about this? How big a problem is this? What data can you provide qualitative and quantitative to back up your idea? Hey, another barrier is the financial barrier. People feel like I don't have enough money or the money I do have. Why would I give it to this? (laughs) So again, it kind of the why would I give it to this is the perceived relevance and importance of the idea. And if people feel they've got a lack of funds, again, it's how can we position the proposition to make sure it fits in the financial envelope with whatever we are dealing with. So you have to make sure your numbers stack up and you have to know your numbers because you don't want to be in a position where you finally got the meeting, everybody sat around the table and they say, well, how much is this going to cost? What's the monthly subscription? What's the annual subscription? How many licenses and all of that stuff. So we need to make sure we've got a financial case 
a financial case has been created, been tested and ratified. So it's really, really important. And if you don't feel comfortable with the finances, find somebody that is productivity tip for you. Once you've built your case, once you've built your financial case and you've used a spreadsheet, keep that. So when you do your next one, it's easier. Okay. So I keep seeing people like starting from scratch, build a template and then keep building and modifying it and improving it. Another barrier which you may encounter is what I call the triability factor. It's the pilot factor. The NHS loves a pilot. How can we ensure that this change is going to work? And one way to do that is to test it, to trial it. So if people think, yep, this sounds like a really good idea, but I'm a bit scared. I've got some fear and anxiety over the magnitude of this. So how can we present option A, all singing and dancing, option B, how can we trial it and roll it out slowly? Option C and option D. Option D is always we'll do nothing and nothing will change. And I think I'll do one more barrier, but you get the gist. I've got this. What we'll do is in the show notes, we'll create a checklist of the barriers I have just discussed. One column will have the barriers, the other column will be blank, and it will be for you to fill in how you're going to mitigate minimize and reduce some of the barriers to help roll out your change. But the last one I think is the lack of know-how. So, and I'm thinking of like tech-based solutions with this. So sometimes we'll want to introduce a new platform and introduce a new way of working, which involves tech, but people may feel, goes back to fear and anxiety, people may feel like, I don't know how to do this, or it's going to take ages for me to do this, and I don't have the time. And it looks really complicated. So what can you do to help give people confidence that they are going to be able to adopt to this new way of working? So this is around confidence. This is around instructions. This is around the ease of implementation, training and competence and somebody at the end of the phone to answer and address any problems or concerns or any issues they may be having. And I'd also like to add, it's how it fits in with other things. So we want tech in healthcare to be seamless across multiple platforms and them to be able to speak to each other and be in and have that interoperability factor. So my question to you, my friends, is how are you going to make that happen? So when I'm rolling out a change and sometimes I don't get it, you know, like I don't get it right all of the time. Sometimes I underestimate, sometimes I, I think that I have communicated and I've done all of those things, but yet people are still saying to me, no, Tara, this isn't working. So it is a starter for 10, which constantly needs to be refined. And on top of this sits that soft intelligence of how your people work. And this episode sits quite nicely alongside episode 103, where I talk you through how to sell your big ideas. So in that episode, I talk about finding your key people of influence, finding your critical friends. So it's one thing to have these checklists, but you need to use your intel, your emotional intelligence. You need to activate your resilience tenfold if it's going to be a significant change to be able to roll this out. So there you go, folks. I hope that's helpful. Click in the show notes, get the download, and I would love to hear how you guys get on. Thank you 
you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. It's really, really funny. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode. 